Welcome to the Santos Says Podcast. I'm your host and your boy, Santos, proud owner of Santos Threads. Make sure you check us out online at Santos-Threads, S-A-N-T-O-S-T-H-R-E-A-D-S.com for the latest and greatest in uh, men's and women's uh, urban streetwear apparel. Uh, get 15% off of your first purchase. Uh, definitely look out for the fall collection coming soon. We're working on that. Uh, definitely looking to get that going. But welcome to episode number 13. Also, make sure you follow me at uh, Santos Thread Shop on Instagram uh, so we can keep that interaction. So on this episode... Um, I wanted to get into this because I'm, as you guys know, I'm a, you know, I'm a clothing and sneaker enthusiast. And anytime like uh, big news comes in about clothing or sneaker companies, things like that, I like to to really get into it and, and immerse myself into it, if you will. So on this episode, I'm going to discuss why the Adidas and Reebok partnership failed. So why the Adidas and Reebok partnership ultimately didn't work, why it failed. And I will also talk about how I would fix Reebok, what I would do if I were in the shoes of the uh, authentic brands group in order to to move Reebok forward and get it back into a a better position uh, than it currently is in right now. So all that and more on episode 13, the Santos Says Podcast. And here we go. So, first of all, when I saw the news, um, when I saw that news, you know, uh, uh, I really, one of the things that took me was obviously I was expecting it. It wasn't non, you know, something that we didn't, that was unexpected. Uh, Reebok had made it, uh, Reebok, Adidas had made it very clear that they were looking to move Reebok. And then all of a sudden you heard all the rumors about what could uh, be coming down the pike, uh, potential buyers. Um, many years back, you heard Shaq was interested in buying Reebok. I heard those rumors. Uh, recently, you heard Master P was interested in buying, uh, acquiring Reebok. But ultimately, the the company or the entity that wound up purchasing Reebok was one that did not surprise me. Um, if you read about these retailers and the business end of a lot of this, which I which really fascinates me and it interests me, I always like to keep up on these things. And I suggest, I would strongly suggest as consumers, we all do that to keep up on what's going on. You know, um, you don't have to be well-versed and you don't have to know everything, um, you know, the, the the entire ins and outs of everything as we're never going to know everything. But it's good to keep up on these things. And, and these things, for me in particular, are a point of interest. So one of the things that 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 got me was that, I you know, I saw the company that bought uh, Reebok and it didn't surprise me. Um, anybody who's familiar with the Authentic Brands Group, um, ABG, you can go to their website. Uh, look, just Google them. They own a ton of brands, and their specialty, really, and their expertise, their MO has been really purchasing depreciated assets. That's what they do. They look for companies that are struggling, um, by and large, or that file for bankruptcy, and they acquire them, and they pump uh, money into the into them, they come up with different marketing strategies. They come up with business plans, and they kind of uh, come up with with put them under their conglomerate. If you go on their website, you'll see that they have a ton of companies. They own 
a lot of them you may have heard of. Um, definitely like Eddie Bauer, uh, companies like Nautica, Aeropostel. Um, they, and they also make a lot of deals as far as like, um, you know, Brooks Brothers. They bought Brooks Brothers not too long ago. They, they make deals for, they buy licenses. They get a lot of licensing deals. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of whether artists or um, whether deceased or living artists or athletes or prominent famous people uh, sign licensing deals to have merch, to have merchandise. And, and so these, these licensing deals are not, a lot of people don't know this, but these deals are not 100% owned by these entities, uh, by these artists or by the, the, the artist estates or the names aren't complete. You know, these things are owned by companies. A lot of people don't know this when they sign these licensing deals. So it, it's complicated when they sign these deals. Um, generally speaking, unless they're independent, they generally don't own 100% of, of everything. Uh, the royalties, the the, the likeness, etc. Um, when it comes to their these licensing deals, so for example, Julius Irving is also um, under that umbrella. Now Julius Irving is still alive, and I'm sure he gets you know he gets royalties and he gets percentages, but he doesn't own the the, the likeness. He doesn't own the whole um, licensing of his products of his name. So he's under this umbrella as well, and. Um, and so I found that really fascinating when I when I looked into that Elvis, uh, Marilyn Monroe, uh, these are were you know legendary figures who have licensing deals who are currently owned by the authentic, um, the authentic brands group, uh, ABG. So I found that very interesting. And um, so let's get into this. I I think it's it's very interesting because the whole. Let's go into before the Adidas deal even happened um, to kind of paint the picture a little bit. Um, before we get into that, actually, as far as that AB, uh, ABG, which I'm going to bring this name up as well. Another person that is signed to ABG um, is Shaquille O'Neal. And I'm going to talk about how Shaquille O'Neal ties into this whole thing because I'm going to make a bold prediction when it comes to Reebok and Shaquille O'Neal in a little while. Um, but in 2005, Adidas acquired, uh, acquired Reebok in a, in a deal worth roughly $3.8 billion. Now, mind you, the ABG, the company ABG just purchased, uh, Reebok from Adidas in the amount of roughly $2.5 billion. So Adidas ultimately took a hit when you look at it from 2005 to now and having sold that, that brand for that amount, they totally took a hit. Um, they were unable to revive the brand to its former glory, although there were some ups and downs, there were some encouraging signs um, along the way. It wasn't all negative, but certainly there was, they left quite a bit to be desired. Um, one of the reasons I decided to talk about this episode also was because I am a fan of since I am a fan of, of the whole fashion industry, the apparel brands and all that, I love that whole dynamic, the business side, but I also am an, a Reebok fan. I do, um, you know, I remember growing up, I wore Reeboks. We didn't always have money for Nikes or Jordans and stuff. And we wore Reeboks. And, and back then, the the, uh, the quality was pretty good. And Reeboks were very, um, they were decent, decently priced, and, and they were affordable and made with pretty uh, good materials. And I'm sure anybody who grew up in the 90s and early 2000s could vouch for me on that. Um, so in 2005, Adidas made that deal, right? They purchased 
they, they purchased the brand for $3.8 billion. Now let's go into what happened before that. So according to this timeline that I have, I put together this timeline. In the early 2000s, Reebok signed Venus Williams. Now you got to remember, every, you know, Serena gets all the credit and rightly so. Serena is one of the greatest tennis players of all time. Venus was a great tennis player in her own right. Uh, Venus is a very accomplished tennis star, one of the all-time greats in the sport as well. Not quite her sister Sabrina, uh, Serena, excuse me. But I mean, come on, not not everybody can be Serena. Serena's, you know, one of the all-time greats. So let's let's talk about this. So in the early 2000s, Reebok signed a 10-year deal with Venus. Um, I couldn't find the number amount, but it was a 10-year deal, which back then, that, that's a big deal. A tennis star signing a $10 million um, licensing agreement or, or uh, endorsement deal is a, is a big deal. Reebok, in the year 2000, prior to that, year before Venus signed her deal, Reebok and Nike signed a 10-year licensing slash uniform apparel deal. 10 years. Remember, kids, Nike wasn't always the official, um, you know, outfitter of the NFL. It used to be Reebok before that. And Reebok had a nice run with them. They had, you know, a good 10-year run with the NFL. So the NFL reached out to Reebok to make that deal happen, and they came to that, to that deal. So obviously Reebok was in a place at that time, early 2000s, that they were still a major factor in the industry. But just one year after that, in 2001, the NBA also signed a licensing deal and a merchandising licensing endorsement deal, outfitting deal, uh, deal with the NBA. So the NBA would become the official outfitter of all 29 teams, uh, warm-ups, T-shirts, Hats, uh, jerseys, all the merch, you name it, T-shirts, everything. So Reebok was also, so you go to 2001. At this time, Reebok had Venus Williams. They had the entire NFL and the entire NBA that they were outfitting, essentially. These were two, these were three major things um, that they had in their favor. Then you, you fast forward to... A couple years later, they would become the official outfitter of the WNBA from 2000, in the 2004-2005 season. They became the outfitter of the NBA. They outfitted all 16 teams at the time. Then you go a year after that, 2005, Reebok was also outfitting another league. Which league was this? The NHL. So, they, so let's look at this time period. The NHL, the NFL the NBA and the WNBA were all outfitted by Reebok in the mid 2000s. This was right before Adidas purchased Reebok right before. So we know what the deal is right now, right? Right now. It's, it's funny because now you see all these rappers that have collaborations, they have their own signature shoes. It's so commonplace right now. Back in the day, it was something you never saw. It was ludicrous. It was something that you would never see. Uh, an artist, a rapper, a singer having their own signature shoe. When would you see that? That's not something you would see. It just was not. And so to put it in perspective, 
understanding this time period, we're going back now, early 2000s. In the early 2000s, there was one artist who broke down barriers, and there was one company who did it. The name of the company was Reebok. The name of the artist was Jay-Z. In 2001, Reebok made Jay-Z the very first non-athlete to have his own signature shoe. The name of the shoes were, it was called the S.Dot Carter. The S.Dot Carter were uh, the first signature shoes that, that, it, that were released by a company, um, the first signature shoe for a non-athlete released. The S.Dot Carters, they came out. Now, at that time, it was a different world. Remember, we were not talking about the craziness that you have with the sneaker raffles nowadays. Back then, people, by and large, had to go to the store and buy the sneakers. The quantities weren't quite, you know, they weren't as readily available. And, and the demand wasn't there quite as much either back then. It was a different world. Like, the, the sneaker world wasn't the same like it is now. Um, you know, you can make the argument that the sneaker, the sneaker game has become a lot more um, flooded has become a lot more um, overexposed, which I talked about in a previous episode of, of uh, the podcast, how you know now the sneaker industry is out of control and um, it's got so much hype. And, and a lot of that is due to social media that really kind of blew up everything. It kind of it ruined it for the people who used to love to be able to buy sneakers on a regular basis um, because they liked them, right? So the resellers and all the hype beasts and everything just totally destroyed the game. But... Um, I digress. So this would happen back in, in, in 2001, 2002. So the, they, they announced it in 2001, but the shoe actually came out in 2002, the S. Carters. So then what happened after that? The following year, let's put this in perspective, the following year, 2003, 50 Cent was the hottest thing in the entire planet. 50 Cent was dropping hit after hit. After hit, after hit, after hit, after hit. 50 Cent was dropping hits all the time. That's what he was doing. And so, and you had the G-Unit. You know, he came, he had the G-Unit album. He had G-Unit clothing. So it was only right that, you, that he had his own sneaker. G-Unit, 50 Cent would follow suit by having his own signature shoe, which was also put out by Reebok. So Reebok at this time, look at this. Reebok had... 50 Cent and Jay-Z with their own signature shoes by Reebok. And when they came out, they came out to mixed results um, by and large, but they did sell out. The shoes did sell out. Like, I'm not going to say that they were like, you know, I mean, go back. You can go back and Google them, reference them. They weren't the best looking sneakers in the world, I'll admit. Even back then. You know, I used to love those artists, but I it wasn't the thing that I was clamoring to get the shoe. I never really found the shoe super appealing, but they were popular because of who, you know, of because of the people who were endorsing the shoe. So G-Unit, 50 Cent, and uh, G-Unit and 50 Cent, they had their own shoes. And then shortly after, Daddy Yankee, with the explosion of reggaeton, and this was a big deal, this was before Bad Bunny got his own shoe, before J Balvin got his own shoe, before Travis Scott got his own shoe, before Yeezy had his own shoe. No, this is before Beyonce, before everybody. Before, uh, who, who did I miss? Rihanna? I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of others, whatever. This was before all of them. Daddy Yankee had a shoe. 
50 Cent had a shoe, Jay-Z had a shoe. And all three of them, given the time period, remember, it was a, they didn't release tons of quantities at that time. They, did, they just didn't. Put it to you this way. They didn't release tons of quantities, and everything was sold exclusively in the store. And, um, you know, there was no online sales. They didn't sell these things online. So they were exclusively in the store. They were not sold online, no lotto uh, raffle system, nothing like that. And... Um, and they didn't put out the same quantities that they, they would put out now. And they didn't have the same hype that they would have now. So that makes sense. If you quantify all that together, it makes sense. It was very fitting for that time. They, they did well. You know, um, they did pretty well. So Reebok had an opportunity at that point. This was before the Adidas sale, before Adidas acquired it, uh, acquired the company in 2005. They had a chance really there with, with some of the best acts, with, with a lot of the most of the professional leagues under their umbrella. They had such a great opportunity there to really build up this team. So what happened? Well, what happened was they, they, were, they couldn't develop anything. They, they didn't. At that time, what happened was they did not find a way to keep that momentum going. They failed to, to kind of, they didn't give the customer what they really wanted. They didn't give the consumer what they wanted. Their shares would continue to go down. The popularity didn't catch on. To be honest with you, in, in hindsight, those deals were great deals, the Jay-Z, the G-Unit, and the Daddy Yankee deals. But those guys, we're looking back now in, in hindsight, they probably should have had better looking shoes. Let's be honest. Go go back. I invite you guys to go back and Google those shoes. You will be underwhelmed. The shoes were not the best looking shoes. They just weren't. Um, they had a little hype just for because of who they were, but that was about it. They didn't. They weren't the best uh, uh, looking shoes in the world. They weren't. Um, and and then so with that, it was a trickle down effect. It wasn't just that, but it was also the fact that. You know, Reebok had lost their cool factor. They didn't have all these athletes they used to have, like when they had Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was essentially in the NBA. He was like on an island by himself. Um, Shaq had left the brand. Shaq was no longer there at that point. Shaq had gone on to create his own brand. If you remember, he started creating the affordable, um, you know, more affordable shoes, which I commend them for doing that, uh, that you would find in, in other stores such as Payless or... or uh, low, you know, low end, low market, um, you know, discount stores. So that's what he did. And um, I give him credit for, for doing that. It takes a lot of guts to do that. But a lot of it also was based on Reebok's direction. They didn't, the creative direction wasn't there. They weren't innovating anymore. Reebok had failed to innovate. They failed to adapt to the times. They just didn't do anything innovative. They weren't, they were just clinging on to their past. And so with that, they got left behind. So the, they just started to go down. The popularity went down. The, the brand visibility went down. The cool factor went down. Everything went down with it. So then Reebok got to the point that they became desperate and they had to sell the brand, which then happened, you know, then in comes Adidas. Adidas comes in and they had the opportunity. So why did the Adidas and Reebok partnership fail? I'll, I'll say what I'll tell you what happened. So in the beginning of the partnership in, in the 2005, 2005, 2006, 2007, 
Adidas really spent time trying to discover what they were going to have the brand be. They didn't know what the brand was going to be. Pretty much like, in my opinion, they wasted a lot of time struggling to find an identity for the brand, um, for which they started doing different things like uh, investing in CrossFit, um, kind of like, it's not aerobics. I mean, back in the 80s, it used to be like aerobics, but CrossFit, workout, um, athletic gear, things like that. So they tried to do that. They put it, they had like a different logo and um, they experiment. I mean, God, they changed their logo a thousand times. They started using these ridiculous zigzag patterns on the bottom of their shoes. I mean, it was a mess. It was a mess. It, it was awful. I mean, they cheapened their brand so bad. So they were focusing on this. And then they, at this point in, in the mid 2000s, mid to late 2000s, you know, they were doing this, they were doing aerobic stuff. They were changing their logo a thousand times. Everything was cheap. And at that point, that was it. They ruined their reputation. They had cheapened their brand. They had cheapened their brand almost beyond repair. So then what happened? Fast forward to more recent times, a couple years ago, I want to say 2018 or so, 17, 18 range, 19 range around there. Reebok's and Reebok announces they're going back to the Vector logo. This was one of their best ideas they ever did. Why? Because when Reebok was at its peak, it used that Vector logo. I invite you all to Google the Vector logo. The Reebok Vector logo is the Reebok logo that everybody knows. It's the one with the little, you know, thingamajiggies. The Vector logo. That's what they call it. That's what I'm going to call it too. But the little thingamajiggies. So it has these little puzzle pieces that they look like they're they fit together, but they don't put them together. It's something like that. Anyway, that's what they did. And you know what? It resonated. They started to release the classics again. They brought out the classics, all the classics, the gum sole bottoms, the, the, the ones with the straps on the top and the woman's shoe with the sleek silhouette with the gum sole and the two straps on the side. And um, then they started doing this. They started doing all this. Oh, let's focus on... um. They started releasing the Reebok questions. They started releasing the Shaq attack, the Shaq gnosis, all these shoes. And, and hey, it, it built up some buzz again. They started building a buzz. They started doing different things to, to kind of, you know, paying homage to their, to their past. And I guarantee you, if you look at the figures, um, it helped. It started to help. It helped. That branding strategy worked. It worked because it took Reebok from, like, the bottom, like the bottom, bottom, like that was, there was a point where like Reebok was just a joke. Like you don't want to wear Reebok. Like Reebok was like almost on the, they were on the cusp of obscurity. They were right there. You know, right now at this present moment, Reebok is kind of like up and down there, you know, they're, they're teetering a little bit, but at that point years ago, a couple years ago that they, they were on the brink of total extinction. I mean, they were in a bad place. So Adidas had done some things right. They started to doing they started doing some real good things as far as paying homage to the past of Reebok, Reebok's history. Uh, they came out with these different track suits uh, with the jackets and and you know things that you would see in the '90s as the '90s trends started to come back to the forefront. Um, you know, started to come back, and so with all that, um, you know, they started to to kind of cater to that bringing back some of the old styles from the 90s and the late 80s that everybody knew and loved, paying homage to their uh, history, 
their heritage. And those are the things that people wanted. Reebok had, had a golden opportunity at that moment. They had the golden opportunity to put itself back on the radar. But I believe that the ownership and the leadership at Adidas, they never quite wanted Reebok to get to that level. Anytime you have a parent company like Adidas that is, you know, competing with the Giants, you know, which is Nike, right? Especially with Nike, not even Under Armour. Under Armour is, you know, they're not on that level, um, but especially with Nike. So anytime you have a company like that competing with New Balance, which New Balance is getting nice little steam now, New Balance is doing really nice things, Puma. So when you're competing with Puma, New Balance, and Nike, especially the behemoth that is Nike, you're... Your sole focus as a company, as a brand, is is and, and it's just it kind of makes sense in a way when you put it when you put yourself in their shoes. Their whole focus was always Adidas. That was their focus. How can we be number one? And so they're focusing on trying to knock out Nike the whole time. That's what they're focused on. They were worried, you know, they were pandering to the Yeezys. They were working on the, the Adidas classics. You know, Adidas has their own classics. They were just worrying about their own classics and, and the Pharrells and the, um, at the time also the Ultra Bulls and the Superstars and the Stan Smiths. I mean, re, you know, Adidas is um, the Samba, all these different, the Gazelles, all these different uh, classics from their catalog. They had their own classics they were worrying about. Plus, they were trying to keep up with that new generation, with the newer releases, with the Boost technology, with um, with the Pharrell ones, you know, um, all these different things. And in recent times, uh, with the forums and the Forum 84, bringing that back and, and, and with collaborations with Bad Bunny, things like... This darn uh, microphone. I'm moving my hands too much. But with... Um, with those things, they were focusing on those things. So because of that, I feel that Adidas never really made Reebok a priority. And it's a shame. They were not worried. They weren't trying to get Reebok to another level. They, they wanted to keep them around. Just I felt like to me, in, in my opinion, based on what I've seen with them, how they've the impression they've given me and, and countless other consumers is that their thing was just to keep Reebok afloat enough to try to make a couple bucks here and there if they could, try to keep it at a certain point, but never to get to the point where it would even be a factor. I don't think they were worried about Reebok per se being, you know, trumping Adidas. But, you know, obviously the ego part is is always a part. It plays a hand in everything. You know, when you're the main company, when your main company is Adidas, I don't care how many other companies you own, it's always going to be your priority. Your, your priority is going to be Adidas. Um, it's just like if you ask anybody at Nike, if they ever give you some truth serum, you know, they own Converse, they own uh, another brand called Hurley and a bunch of other brands. Nike is always going to be Nike. Nike is the top priority, point blank, period. It always will be. Now, Nike, see, I, I will make the case, though. I'll make the argument. And, and guys, let me know what you think. Uh, definitely chime in on social media, or if you're watching this on YouTube in the comments, definitely chime in. I want to know your opinions. I definitely feel that Nike's done a better job with Converse than what Adidas did with Reebok. I really believe that, you know, that what, what Nike's done with Converse is very nice. And, um, quite frankly, I really love what they're doing. They're doing, they get it. Like Nike seems to get it. 
Um, I know that Converse is never going to really be on par with Nike, but that's okay. I think they've done a great job with really with these new releases they've come out with and paying homage to their basketball uh, heritage uh, with the different designs that they've made and the, the high tops and the leather series, things like that. I think they've done a tremendous job with uh, with uh, Converse in, in recent times. So this is, you know, th this is the thing. So I, I just feel like, you know, it, it was frustrating also because I noticed the same thing as a consumer. Like I remember, you know, Reebok kind of got caught up in just coming out with the same signature models um, after a while, um, especially in recent times. Like I think they've they focused too much on coming out with Reebok uh question shoes like they've made how many iverson question shoes do you have to make like you're ruining you don't have to come out with like a thousand of them you don't need that like people want the og colorways and maybe a couple colorways that are um obscure or a little different or revamped that's it like you don't need to come out with like a hundred thousand uh reebok questions like you don't need that we don't need that like you have to you have to maintain the the mystique and a little bit of that scarcity of the line to keep it at that level. You can't pump out a new color way every month because it just cheapens the product. It cheapens the line. And I felt like in recent times, especially the last year, it changed. I feel like they've cheapened the 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 um, the Iverson question line, um, to be honest. And another thing, too, and, and a lot of people won't know this, and it's okay. It's not something that's common knowledge, but... Um, and a lot of these re-releases from Reebok, they, they've cut corners on the materials. Um, in a lot of cases, they're not using genuine leather or, or real leather. Um, they're using a lot of leather blends with plastic, uh, plastic uh, blended materials, leather bonded materials. Um, because I know, you know, when I touch uh, sneakers, I know how to test the materials. I know how to look at the materials. I know, you know, I smell them. I know how to touch them. I, I know how really good materials feel. And so they, they've really cheapened the brand. They've, they've cheapened a lot of, they've cut corners on quality um, in recent years. I've noticed that. Um, Reebok used to use this technology called Hexalite. And um, if a, lot, a common thing that you see now with the re releases from recent time is that Reebok is not using real Hexalite. Now that could be a cost cutting measure, which I get. But if you're Adidas, who you have all the money, you have the tools, you have the resources. Why not? When If you're trying to have a brand be successful and you want to put the best foot forward for this brand, why not um, go the extra mile on those details and provide the quality that the consumer really can appreciate that, really, that they really want? Those details, the, the consumer is not stupid. See, a lot of times these companies, they act like the consumer is dumb. Like they treat us like we're stupid. And in some cases we are stupid. There's people who will buy something regardless of the quality. And you shouldn't ever be that. You have to be an educated consumer. You have to know what you're buying. You know, you got to do your homework. You got to know, you know, what's quality and what's trash. And so in recent years, they've cut corners with the leather quality, the blended leather and plastic materials. Um, and so the, the quality is not on par and the, there's no real hexalite. The Adidas questions... The Adidas question shoes and count uh, Adidas, the Reebok question shoes, as well as countless other Reebok uh, basketball sneakers had a hexalite material. And you know the material because it gives you that 
um, it gives you that support. It gives you that comfort. Hexalite was crazy comfortable. Um, anybody who was around during those times in the late 90s, early 2000s even, knows what real Hexalite felt like. It was amazing. So these shoes are not, they don't feature that real Hexalite technology, which is a, a it's terrible. It's bad, you know, it, it, because it, it, it doesn't make the shoe authentic. It's not what it was. And so why not incorporate the real technology in these retros that these shoes had, especially if you're going to charge more, if, you know, the same, if not more than what you used to charge before, at least make the materials um, worth the price you're going to charge. I, I just think it's, it's fair to do that. So they've done that. Adidas did that. They they cut corners on the quality. They always kept, you know, and I remember I would purchase, um, you know, some of the kids, I, I got to say, some of the kids' shoes were amazing. I, I bought some of the kids' sneakers. Um, my kids, I bought them some Reebok sneakers. They were great quality. They were good shoes. So for certain shoes, they did keep the quality standard uh, or, or they keep a good, they kept up a, a, a good, a high standard of quality, I should say. They did keep that up, but for others that you wouldn't, that you would expect that some of the other uh, premium shoes, they didn't quite live up to the standard of what you would expect for quality, which was disappointing. Um, and I say this as a fan, I was a fan growing up in the, in the nineties and early two thousands of a lot of different Reebok sneakers. And so, you know, they did a good job. You know, one of the things they did good with um, Adidas with the Reebok brand is they did a good job also one of the things they did do a good job with was releasing the D Brown. I thought that was a good release. That was a nice thing to do. The D, the D Brown uh, dunk contest from 1991, they retroed that. That was a nice shoe. That was a shoe that the, the public really wanted, and they did a good job with uh, re-releasing that. Kudos to them for that. It had the pump. Now, again, I don't know how much actual technology it really – I don't believe the technology is exactly what it was – but they did release the shoe and the leather quality is so-so was not great, but they did, they do get some credit for releasing it at least. But again, they cut corners. They did cut some corners when it came to that. So I do give credit for releasing it. Just, I wish that they had the material was a hundred percent what it used to be. So they get, they get some credit, but um, you know, so, just that, you know, and 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 so I they get credit for that. They get credit for releasing the kamikazes. I think that's great. But again, they're trying to do with the I'm watching. They're trying to do with the kamikazes what they're doing with the question. Now they got like a hundred different colorways. The people don't want a hundred and fifty different kamikazes. The people want a couple of kamikazes. That's it. They want the OG colorways and throw one or two special limited edition colorways. That's it. We don't want a hundred different. We don't want the Miami Dolphin colorway and then the Navy blue and white colorway. We don't need all these different colorways of uh, the Kamikazes. That's not what we want. We want the Sean Kemp Seattle Supersonics 90s colorways. That's what we want. Give us that. So that's, you know, and they've released these pumps. You know, they had a couple of different pump shoes that they've released over the years. They've done good with paying homage to those. But again, Adidas has been tone deaf when it comes to the quality. They, they've, I felt like they kept Reebok at a certain, they want to always keep Reebok at a certain level in comparison to, to them. Even the apparel, you know, I've had, I bought some of the apparel. The apparel felt very cheap 
compared to what they did with Adidas. They didn't even use the material, the same type of materials. The t-shirts didn't feel the same. I have a Reebok t-shirt that I bought and I wore it like twice and it got a hole in it. Like, come on, you can't be doing that. You can't be crapping out on the materials. And again, and I've had Adidas pants and I've had Adidas shirts that have lasted forever, that the, the quality never ruined. is The quality is always good. So those inconsistencies in the quality just sent the wrong message anyway. If you're going to have inconsistent quality, I know they're not the same brand, but hey, if you want to bring Reebok to a certain level of credibility and respectability, you can't crap out on the materials. You have to keep it. You have to keep some consistency with those materials. And so that was disappointing. Uh, they cheapened out. They cheapened the brand. And so they've always, I've always felt like Adidas wanted to keep Reebok at a certain level, but not to surpass a certain point. And so it always felt that way, at least to me as a consumer. It always felt like they wanted to keep Adidas at a certain level, but not uh, not Adidas, keep Reebok at a certain level, but not to surpass a certain point or, or not to even be a threat to them, which at the time they were their own company. So let me see what else here. So here's the thing. This is what I would do. What would I do to fix Reebok? How would I fix Reebok? Now, remember, earlier in the show, I mentioned a prominent name, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal, or as you may know him, the Hall of Famer, uh, one of the all-time greats and one of the all-time great pitchmen as well. This guy's got commercials everywhere. He owns companies everywhere. A couple years back, he mentioned the frustration with the direction that Adidas uh, had taken Reebok. He mentioned this. Um, You can look this up. He was very frustrated with the direction that um, Adidas was taking Reebok. So he, and he also pleaded with them that he wanted them to uh, sell the company to him. He wanted to buy the company. Now, this is where it gets interesting. As I was doing research for this show, I found this part fascinating. I mentioned the name Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal has a relationship with ABG. Um, Shaquille O'Neal has a licensing deal with his own products, with uh, which ABG owns um, probably, I don't know the percentages, but it owns a portion to that licensing because they are listed on their website. So um, Shaquille O'Neal as a brand, as the likeness, the licensing is listed as part of the ABG. So then the light bulb went off in my head. I cannot let go. I cannot go without saying this. I need This needs to be said. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my prediction. Shaquille O'Neal is going to play a part in Reebok. It is, un- it is undeniable. The writing is on the wall. Shaquille O'Neal already has a group with AB, uh, and a relationship with ABG. That tells me that Shaquille O'Neal and Reebok are going to do business. And for Reebok, this could be a very good thing. And so as I think of ways that I would fix Reebok, this is one of the things I would do if I were Reebok. Shaquille O'Neal, I think, is going to play a factor. I would be surprised if he doesn't. He's going to be there at some capacity. If I were Reebok, I would hire him at least. I would First of all, I'd... I'd Get him a, a share in the company. So he's going to have a, a stake in the company. I don't know what percentage. I don't know what kind of deal they're going to work out. But 
Shaquille O'Neal doesn't do anything without at least getting some ownership. Shaquille O'Neal is going to have, since he has that partnership already with ABG, I would assume he's going to work out a deal with Reebok to have a, 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 a percentage in ownership, and he's going to have a prominent role in Reebok. I would have Shaq really work with them on the basketball front. They need to get back in the athlete business. Reebok needs to get back to signing prominent athletes. Forget about the entertainers for now. Now, the entertainers, you can get to that in quick time, in short time. You really can. But I think to reestablish itself as an athletic brand as it once was, you need to get back to the athletes. So that, so of all the sports, there's no sport that moves, that moves the needle when it comes to shoes like basketball. Basketball is all about the shoes. It's all about the shoes. So with that said, you have Shaquille O'Neal there at your disposal. You have his knowledge. He's a very good businessman. He's a brilliant businessman. He's a good pitch man. He's got tons of ideas. He has experience. Um, he's a wonderful face for corporate. He's great for diversity. He's got everything. He checks all the boxes. He's got a great knowledge and expertise. And guess what else he has? He has history with the company. You can make the case outside of Allen Iverson, Shaquille O'Neal was probably the most prominent Reebok athlete at that time when they were together um, as partners. Bring Shaq back for that. Shaq can be can do a role where he can focus on the basketball role. You got to have a basketball division. I am telling you, Reebok needs to have a basketball division for which Shaquille O'Neal is on the top of. He's in charge of this. And he's going to help recruit. And they're going to try to bring, you don't got to sign a million guys. Look for, all you need is two or three. Try to find two or three prominent young ball players that are coming up and sign them to sneaker endorsement deals. The important thing is to find people who you can build your company around. So that's important. You want to find someone who's going to be good for years to come and also someone that's going to be reliable and someone who you think can sell shoes. That's what you got to do and bank on those two or three guys. But for, for now, you can focus on one guy. Find that one guy that you can focus on and bring him in. Bring back the basketball division. That's what you're going to do. You're going to start signing endorsement deals. You got to sign athletes, bring basketball players back, and so you can start building for the future of Reebok to create a new basketball division. Similar to what Puma's done. Puma's done a great job of reestablishing its basketball uh, culture. There was a time where Puma was non-existent in basketball. They were gone. I My thing is, my opinion is, my opinion is if Puma did it, Reebok can do it. Puma was as dead as dead as could be. Like Puma was dead and Puma came back to life. So I think Reebok can have a similar strategy in bringing back its basketball division. And in turn, this is going to help sales all around. You're going to have new shoes, you know, new, new young stars to build around. With that comes new merch, new shoes, new products, new demographics. These things reach for the youth. You got to start building that new, um, that new generation of follower. You got to bring it because it's not there. Right now, it's not there. The young people, Reebok doesn't resonate with this young generation. You got to establish that. So with these new young stars you could bring in, you can bring it back. You can reestablish it. And then if you want to work on another sport, I got another sport for you. 
Baseball. Baseball, now baseball is not going to sell shoes as much as, as many shoes as, um, as basketball. I get that. But back in the day, there used to be a guy who had a shoe. You may have heard of him. Frank Thomas. Reebok needs to bring back the Frank Thomas shoes and bring back Frank Thomas. I think that'll work. Um, bring back, Fra retro those Frank Thomas shoes. Bring back those OGs, the black one and the white one. Bring those back. People will eat them up. And with Shaq, you can have Shaq and you can have Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas is a very smart businessman as well. He's a very, and he's a legendary Hall of Famer. Frank Thomas can help work on the baseball division. Now, the baseball division, again, that's the thing with the baseball. It's going to be tough to kind of bring the shoes for baseball. But you can start with trying to sign guys to, to, to endorsement deal, to just endorsement deals. They don't have to have their own shoes right away. Just endorsing them, getting people to wear baseball stuff, uh, Reebok stuff on a baseball field again. That'll go a long way for visibility, making the cleats, making the, the wristbands, um, the baseball stuff, the T-shirts the for baseball. Get that back in there with the basketball division. You don't have to make signature basket, uh, baseball shoes right away. The signature shoes should be basketball for now to start out. You can worry about signature baseball shoes later. Right now, you're trying to establish your, your young market, and that's what Reebok can do with the basketball market. Reestablish that with, with Shaquille O'Neal at the head, and that's how you could do that. I want to see Reebok also retro other, um, other models. So stick with the classics. This is what you're going to do. With Reebok, stick with the classics for now. The classics are going to keep you afloat until you can develop more new ideas, especially from the basketball side. Uh, with Shaq at the helm and, and focus on these retros. So like I said, uh, keep doing the retros, the club C's, the Reebok classics, uh, the woman's shoes with the two straps on the side. Um, I forget the name of them. I, I, I had it writ written down somewhere, but all those things. Um, do those. Use real Hexalite. If you're going to release basketball sneakers, if you're going to do... Um, if you're going to do retros of other basketball shoes in the future, use real hexalite, real leather. You have to use premium materials. You have to. Even, in, even if in the beginning you're going to take a loss in the beginning, but what you want to do is you want to reestablish quality. That's what you want to do. Adidas failed on that front. Adidas did not live up to their end of the bargain with the quality side. Reestablish quality. That's what you're going to do. So... Use real hexalite, real leather materials, premium leather materials, premium suede, a real technology, the real pump technology. Invest in these real things, and the, the customers will notice that. The quality, the details, the real original boxes that they use. Believe it or not, you know, a lot of sneakerheads, they buy the box. They buy sneakers because they like the box. I've seen it. You know, a lot of times I've seen sneakerheads complain because – you know, they bought a pair of sneakers that doesn't have the OG box. Like, <laughs> they have a new box, a different kind of box. People care about this. So use these things. Remember, tell a story. You're trying to tell a story. So use your, right now, you're going to rely on your classics to get you through. Tell a story. Use, use good premium materials, premium cotton for the apparel, the jumpsuits, the track suits, the T-shirts, the hats. Use premium or really good materials comparable to what Nike and Adidas use for their apparel. 
You don't want to cheapen the brand. You want the, the brand to, to have a certain level of quality to it. Don't cheapen the brand. Don't cut those corners that Adidas was cutting. That's what you need to do. And then, like I was mentioning, retro, use the different shoes. You got you got ton, Reebok has the, you know, the beauty of Reebok is, and this is something that not all brands have. There are brands that have a history, that have a heritage, you know? One of the hardest things to do is to start a brand from scratch. Hello, starting a brand is hard. Start establishing a culture, a heritage when you don't have one is extremely difficult. You are Reebok. You have a history and a heritage and a legacy, a culture. Use it. Use your history and your, your culture to, to get you afloat, to keep you afloat until you're able to innovate and create other things. Right now, you're trying to keep yourself afloat and, and elevate more. So another thing is, you know, listen to what the people want. Uh, do polls. I I would poll people all the time if I were them. Poll people. Ask the people, what do you want to see from Reebok? What retro would you like to see released this year or next year? What retro would you like to see released? How about the Nick Van Exels? Nick Van Exel had a shoe. Really re-released the Nick Van Exel shoes with real hexalite. Uh, how about the 1996-97 Shaq Dunk Mob? I know everybody's gonna say, what are you talking about? The Shaq Dunk Mob were the shoes that he wore in LA. Reebok shoes. One of the few Reebok shoes he had with LA. Release those. Those had, go Google those. They're white and purple. Those shoes would sell. You don't have to just make Shaq Attack 1 and Shaq Gnosis. Shaq has more shoes. Release them. Release the other shoes. The Frank Thomases. Release those. The real Hexalite. Real leather materials, the Nick Van Exel shoes, all the Reebok classics, release them. Bring them out, OG colorways, and create new ones too. Go ahead. This is going to help the brand. Use real materials, good materials, real leather, real hexalite. This is going to bring Reebok back. And, of course, communicate with the people, with the, with the people who want your brand, who, who have interests. Find out from them what would you like to see released this year. Ask them, what retro have we not released in recent time that you'd like to see come out? There's a ton of basketball ones for sure. You can release tons of them. How about Reebok? Hello, how about the, the Iversons? You got the answers. You don't have to just release the questions all the time. Like, I understand. I love the questions. I love the Reebok questions. I got a bunch of them. But after a while, it's like, okay, that's enough. We don't need 100,000 colorways in the Reebok questions. Like, people want the OGs. Release, re-release the OG Iversons, the other ones, the answers. They call them the answers. It's like the answer three, answer four. Re-release these and come up with a couple new colorways along the way to kind of sprinkle it in. But use real Hexalite in these. Use real Hexalite and, dare I say, use the original packaging or similar to it to bring back that nostalgia. You tell the story. Tell the story with your history. You have history. Reebok, you have history on your side. Use your history, use your ingenuity, use your your, uh, your prowess as a brand, use your likeness, use the Vector logo. Do not change that logo. That logo's fine. I love that logo. That logo's great. 
Leave the vector logo. That's where you had your most successes when you use the damn vector logo. Obviously, on the other shoes from the 80s, you can, you know, you you can, when you make those, you see the little uh, British flag or, or um, not British flag. Uh, yeah, Great Britain, United Kingdom flag. You Obviously, that's different. You can use that on those. That's fine. But I'm saying that your primary logo should be the vector. That's your bread and butter. That's what people know you for. That's when you were at your best. And if you do these things, I guarantee you, Reebok, you're going to come back to prominence. I'm not saying you're going to be where you were in the late 90s, but you're going to be in prominence and, and you know, and you're going to be cooking. Now, I'll be remiss if I fail to mention also, I know earlier on the episode on this show, I mentioned uh, the Daddy Yankee and the G-Unit and the Jay-Z S. Carter. Funny thing. We live in a society where we clamor over the past, the retros, the rare shoes. Well, guess what, guys? This is the perfect climate to re-release the G-Units. The G-Units, maybe not so much, because unless 50 co-signs it. But the G-Units, the S. Carters, and the Daddy Yankees. This is the time. Everybody is clamoring over shoes that are retro, shoes that you can't find anymore, and the shoes that are going to have that hype. Those three shoes may have more hype now. They would they would develop more hype now than they did back then, just because everybody's a damn hype beast. So release those shoes now. Reebok, if you're listening, I know I said they weren't the most nicest looking models. They weren't my favorite. They weren't the best looking models. But absence makes the heart grow fonder. So it's been years. We've had time to digest. We've had time to miss those shoes. Everybody loves romanticizing over the past. Well, this is the perfect time to bring those back. Bring back the S. Carters, the Daddy Yankees, the people, the, the Latino population, and the Puerto Ricans in, in Puerto Rico will go nuts over those. Re-release the Daddy Yankees, the G-Units, and the S. Carters. Those can all be part of the retros that will be re-released for Reebok. People will go nuts for them, I'm telling you. Especially if you make them a limited release, it would be a it would be mayhem. You don't got to release them all at the same time, but boy, I'll tell you, if you have one calendar year where you release them, people will go nuts. I'm telling you, and so those are those are ways that you're gonna bring it back. Stick to the vector, stick to the classics, and as you find your footing, you'll be able to develop new concepts. You'll be able to develop your your the youth, which as I mentioned you will do with your basketball division with Shaquille O'Neal at the head of that table, leading the charge in the basketball division and looking for new sc scouting, new talent to sign them and create brand new, you know, you got to create innovative designs. You got to get with the times, but to create that new innovative style for the new generation of the Reebok consumer. And that's what you will do. But for now you will lean on the classics to get you to that point until you can continue to innovate. And that's how you find your niche. And that's how Reebok can find its way again. So, um, I think, you know, I think I made a good point there. Let me know what you guys think. Definitely. That's all I have for this episode. Uh, make sure you follow me at the Santos thread shop. Uh, also make sure you guys visit us online, man. We're adding new merch. We're adding new stuff, uh, for you guys out there. Santos, uh, hyphen threads. Uh, so S-A-N-T-O-S hyphen T-H-R-E-A-D-S. 
gmail.com. So uh, thank you all for listening. That was my little rant. Uh, definitely look forward to catching you guys on the next one. And remember, don't just say what you mean or mean what you say. Say it with your chest. Peace.